Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. All right, so I kind of kind of giggled when I saw the video. It said, you know, because it said, hashtag I believe the series. And we started this, and I saw the date on it. It was January, what was it, 12th? It was like 112 of 2020 and here we are now like two months later we're still in the series we've got two more messages to go we started the series hashtag I believe um, and and basically what it is is I started preaching through the Apostles Creed and this has become a very substantive teaching it's been deep I've been studying and researching material for this series, and God has been bringing me deeper and closer to the universalism of his church. There's a universalism, there's a unity, a oneness that comes to his body. And I'm not talking about the church as far as the building, the brick and mortar, or or the institution, the denomination. Uh, I'm not talking to you about the church as the organization. But I'm here talking to you this morning about the church, the organism. The living, breathing body of believers as we gather. As, and look around us as, as we have gathered here this day, now. We are the body of Jesus Christ. His living Body, there's an arm and a and a and an eyeball and a leg and there's a heart and 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 ears and a mouth to speak and and when we come together we we form his living body we we each have a function within this church. You think that you're just coming here and that you're receiving, but with every greeting, with every prayer, with with every song you sing, you're you're ministering unto the living God. We don't even see it or understand it. But there's a, this is miraculous. The move of the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. This is an uncommon thing. Don't think that this is common. Hundreds of churches are out there. And they have theology and, and they may have community. But so often they're lacking in relationship they're lacking in the power of the holy spirit people that would declare them and yet continue to live their lives in a worldly fashion this entire series has been about what we as believers must believe this there's there's a place that's called the no compromise zone where, where you know what, everybody wants to talk about, oh, well, we're going to compromise, and they want to talk about tolerance, but there's certain things that we have to be intolerable to. The word of God is truth. Don't get upset at me. I'm just a messenger. It's God. It's his word. I'm not the one that's offended. I'm telling you that God is offended. Well, how do you know that? It's in his word. In his word. Where is it that we have to know to draw the line? You know, there's there's a saying that, that says in the essentials, we must have unity. 
And, and this entire message series has been about the essentials. What is it? Where is it that we must have unity? And in the not essentials, we need to have freedom, flexibility. All right? Are you a post-tribulationist, a, a, a mid-tribulationist, a, a eternal unconditional security? We, we could turn around and begin to chop these things up. But, but if the Bible isn't completely clear in it, if, it's, if there's a gray area within it, we, we need to have a certain amount of flexibility. We want to lock everybody in. Oh, it's my way or the highway. It's my theology. It's, it's, it's this pastor. It's, it's that preacher. No, it's not. It's the word of God. And areas that the word of God is, is gray, we, we have a little flexibility with each other. Huh? Do, do, you, like, do you like worship, live worship? Do you like hymnals? Or are you more of a contemporary person? Or, or do you like the Gregorian chants? I, I don't believe that God is going to turn around. And How do you worship him? Is it in spirit and in truth? Where do you connect with the spirit of the living God? What type of worship? What type of prayer? There's not a one-all set-all of how it's got to be done. It's a matter of rendering your heart because if your heart is rendered it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you're doing it god is there and he is with you and in all things essentials we must have unity non-essentials we got to have flexibility and Essentials, non-essentials, and everything. We need to have charity. We need to have love. We need to have love. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you can't express the love within them, I'm not interested in a person's theology in the beginning. I want to know their heart. I want to speak to them and where they're at. And, and once I know that, I can speak life into them. In the essentials, we've got to have that unity. In the non-essentials, we have to have that flexibility. But in everything that we do, we have to have love. If I can't speak truth in love, then I ought not to speak. As true as it is, if it can't come from a place of, of, of connection, of, of genuine desire and concern, then I ought to be quiet. The no compromise zone. How good is your theology? How good is your theology? What do you understand in regards to these essentials? The things that we must have unity in. Because there are areas that we have to have unity in. Huh? God is very clear in regards to life and, and, and the law of nature and creation. In regards to what he created marriage to be. Between a man and a woman for the purpose of procreation. Life happens at conception. God is pro-life. 
And the moment we begin to tinkle and tonter and, and, and pull away, I, 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 I understand that people are hurting. I understand that people make mistakes. I, I know this to be true because I'm the chief of sinners. I can't come from a place of holiness because I know I'm broken. But I know that he's put me back together. He's changed my ways. And I can't continue to live the life that I used to live and know that he paid a price. I owe him. And until, family, we come to that place of surrender, then it's all just religion. Then it's an act. Then it's just going through routines and going through motions. And we're not here for the motions. We're, we're here for the relationship. We're here to know him and, and to seek out what his purpose and will is for our lives. Not my will, but your will be done. Last week, I, I spoke about how consecration is mandatory for reconciliation. Come on now. We have to be willing to allow God to clean us up. Not to stay in the filth of our sin, but being cleansed by his blood to rise up above the filth. And show that there is a sanctification that can take place if we would surrender our lives unto him. When people are made consecrated, that's when God is made manifested. When, when we are cleansed from our sins, when he fills us with his Holy Spirit, he sets us apart. We're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to sound different. We're supposed to act different. He was manifested in the Old Testament by the thick cloud that overshadowed the people. He was manifested when the cloud overshadowed Mary's womb and she gave birth to Jesus Christ. And so up to this moment, we've, we've looked into this triune nature of God and, and we've been and seen and introduced to God the Father and God the Son, God the Father Almighty, the Creator. Jesus Christ, our Lord, God, the Son. And today, the creed takes us and introduces us to God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Holy Trinity. Knowing that God is the Father, and God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. While at the same time, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father. Somehow these three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, operate as one in a hypostatic union known as the Holy Trinity. Our God is one. It was our God the Father who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them and that had the sovereign plan of offering God the Son as the offering, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. After suffering, being mocked, 
being beaten, being spit upon, had his beard plucked off his face, had a crown of thorns placed upon his head, eventually to be impaled upon a Roman cross to die and be buried. But according to his word and according to the scriptures, on the third day, come on, look at somebody, tell them on the third day, he arose from the dead. Hallelujah. He who was thought to be defeated came back and conquered the grave. So that sin, so that sin and its shackles no longer have a hold on us. He who the sun sets free, my God, shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. Woo. Man, you know, you can't scream and, and joy and, and, and dance for the Lord unless you know. Unless you've been set free. Oh, people, oh, he, oh, look at this person. Oh, they dancing like this. And oh, oh, why are you jumping around like that? Do, do you know, do you know the, the diagnosis that was spoken over this individual? Do you know how the doctor said that this person would no longer be able to walk again? Do you know how the doctor said that this person will only have six months to live? Were you there when you heard the report? Because when God speaks over a life and, and transforms and changes and heals, my God, you want to dance for him. Woo! Jesus, I'll be a fool all day for you, my God. Hallelujah. The keys to Hades and death are now in his hand. Hallelujah. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, making intercessions for us. Whoa. Now, before Jesus ascended back unto heaven, this is what he told his disciples. Open up your Bibles to the gospel according to John chapter 16. I'm going to start at verse 5. John 16, 5. Amen? If you don't have your scriptures, I'll just go put it up on the board. Hmm. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, 
said that he will take of mine and declare it unto you. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for your presence here this morning. We thank you, God, for your living word that is powerful than any two-edged sword, O God. It is able to pierce up to the division of our soul and spirit, bone and marrow. I pray, God, that your word would now be able to penetrate deep within our souls. Open up our eyes to see and ears to hear, our minds to grasp and understand, O God, what is the width and the depth that you have for us this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We thank you for your presence. Fill this place, oh God. Fill every vessel in this house, oh God. That we can be the carriers, oh God. Infect us. Everybody talking about the coronavirus, oh God. Infect us with your Holy Spirit, oh God. That wherever we go, whoever we touch, whoever we speak to, oh God, would become infected with you. Hallelujah. Each one of us, oh God, to be a carrier, oh Lord. Have your way, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Woo! Check out this, uh, check out this video. What happened that day when the Spirit arrived? When the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud. Loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Everything that we know from creation till now, the entire redemptive plan of El Shaddai, since Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of man the separation that sin brought into our lives between us and God our father came to fruition at Pentecost the church was born the words of the word were fulfilled when the helper the comforter, the paracletos or advocate, our mighty counselor came and woke our dormant spirits. 
We were in a day, state of deep slumber, the walking dead, zombies amongst the dead. From our physical water birth, we, we were born into sin and we have this separation between us and, and God who is holy. And from, from the moment that we were able to apply the blood of Jesus, the, the sinless Lamb of God upon the doorpost of our hearts, the, the moment that we recognized that we were wrong and He was right, that we are sorry for, for the destruction and, and the rebellious nature that's within us. God, I'm so sorry. Once that blood is applied, the angel of death now must pass over us as believers. No longer does death have a hold on us. I don't fear death. <laughs> to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> death? God, can't wait to get home. <laughs> and until you call me to get home, Lord. Let me expend myself and exhaust myself here on earth for your purpose and your kingdom. I'm tire this devil out. Because the blood now covers our sins. We can again approach the living God and have communion with Him. I mean, put your mind around that. That we can come into the presence of the one who spoke all things into existence. That the creator of the heavens and the earth, this power source of life, is now accessible to you and to me. He, he's now, because sin has been eradicated, the blood of Jesus makes us righteous in His sight. And because of this, He's able to now deposit inside of you His Holy Spirit that ignites a fire in your bones, a passion in your heart. Oh, come on, look at the valley, the old man of God. Speak to the dry bones, shall they live? Woo! I look at this room and I say, dry bones are living in Jesus' name. Those of us who have not yet repented for our sinful lifestyle, who have not received the forgiveness of our sins, we live according to the flesh. We do the works of the flesh. This is how you know. The proof is in the... The tree is known by the fruit it... Come on now. So what's the fruit of the flesh? How, how do we know? What's the difference between the flesh and the spirit? How do we know if someone is serving the devil? Or they're serving the living God? It's one or the other. I ain't serving no devil. You serving yourself? Or are you serving God? Because if you're still the center of your throne, if you're the, still the king of your castle, you're not serving yourself. You're serving the devil. You don't realize that. But he owns the fence. Everybody wants to walk on the fence. Ooh, when the time comes, I'll just jump on, right? You know what I'm saying? But for now, you know, I'm just going to keep walking on the fence. But guess what happens? If you die while you're still on the fence, <laughs> guess who owns the fence? That fence belongs to the devil. 
There, there's, no, there's no warm, there's no in and out. Either you're in or you're out. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 shows us what the evidence is. What's the evidence? What are we looking for? Come on, you who are spiritual, test those things that are spiritual. Someone tells you that they're spiritual. Someone tells you that they have a relationship with the living God. But yet their works are evident within the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are what? Adultery. Let me just stop right there. Let's stop right there. Adultery. Adultery. Huh? Sex before marriage. <gasps> Guilty. God determines what sin is. He created the institute of marriage between a husband and a wife. Procreation, sex. It's a God thing. It's a good thing. Very pleasurable thing. I encourage it. <laughs> Come on, can we be adults? <laughs> it's good. But when you do it within the confines of God's parameters, there's safety. It should be done with intimacy. These are soul ties. It's not just a Netflix and chill. This is, this is something that goes way beyond, way deeper, much more profound. It, it touches the soul. It touches the heart. But if someone who practices adultery... I'm not going to tell you someone who may have stumbled into it. God forgive us. A person who practices adultery. This is, this is someone who is in direct rebellion against God. Fornication. Who? <laughs> Another one. I'll just stop right there. We got adultery. We got fornication coming right out the gate. It's not just sex before marriage. It's sexual immorality. Huh? Because once the devil grabs it and, and takes what God made as good and perverts it and, 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 and distills it, he, God, God wants to teach us love and, and he's over here trying to sell us lust. He, he wants to take what God has that's good for us and, and, and pervert it and, and then sell it off as the bootleg. Come on. God wants to give us the real thing and he gives us the parameters within that. Works of the flesh uncleanliness, lewdness, lewdness, that's a special word for lawlessness, huh? People just, just don't care. Where, where the law of the land no longer matters and people are outlaws. And we see that running rampant today. I don't care about the law of the land. I'm doing my thing, my freedoms. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's lawful. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on anybody's toes. Just because man says it because it's legal doesn't mean it's lawful in the eyes of God. Because you know what? Check this out. What, what comes right after that is um, idolatry, huh? Which is anything that will take the place of God. Oh, oh you're a pastor? You know, I'm, I'm real spiritual. Oh, yeah, you're spiritual? Tell me about it. Tell me about your spirituality. How's that working for you? The moment 
a marriage, a job, an addiction, the moment you would form in your own mind who your concept of God. Oh yeah, no, I'm spiritual pastor. You know, to me, God is. To you, God is. You just made an idol in your own mind. You don't even realize it. You don't, you don't need to have like, you know, a stone and wood carved image. Oh, that's an idol. No, it's not. The idol is the image that you've already made in your own mind as to who God is. Oh, to me, God is. No, 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 no. That's not who to you God is. God is who God is. For he is the great I am. And he revealed himself to us through his word. You can't change who he is based on your ideology. You got to change your ideology based on who he is. Jesus, come on. Sorcery. That that word, you know, you conjures up the whole kind of, you know, uh, brujería, santería, sorcery. The the whole, you know, leame la taza and siete potencia and this and that. You know what I'm saying? The sorcery. But you know what the actual word for sorcery is in, in Greek? Pharmakia. Ooh, my Bible scholars. Phar- pharmakia. It's where we get the English word pharmacy pharmaceutical anything that's a mind-altering mood-altering drug according to the word of god is a a source of sorcery the adversary is able to get in if you don't understand the spiritual realm and you're opening up doors and gateways by getting high you're going to begin to see things and hear things and, and do things and pursue things the adversary is able to come in and tempt you and pull you and the things that you said you never do you find yourself doing them because it's deceptive and it's demonic Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. You know those temper tantrums? (laughs) Yeah, you've never been there, right? (laughs) Selfish ambitions. When When you're still at the center of the seat. When you're still the driver, right? Come on. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries. And the like. This isn't an exhaustive list. You, you can pretty much begin to add your own things. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what is rebellion against God. Of which I told you beforehand. Just as I told you in the time past. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not my words. Those are his words. Now there's a difference between the person who practices them and a person who stumbles upon them. Any one of us is susceptible to stumble. Any one of us can revert back and, 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 and kind of fall in. But here, what the Bible says is that the spirit of the living God comes inside of us, creates a conviction, raises a red flag, Oh, you know, I used to be okay doing this. I'm not, I don't know. I just, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel right anymore. Wait, what do you think that is? Huh? That's the living God speaking to your heart. 
That's the Holy Spirit bringing forth a conviction in regards to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. To repent is to recognize that these behavior patterns, they're patterns in behavior, not the anomaly, not the oops, Lord, I'm sorry. It's the, the rebellious nature of doing it and doing it and saying, so what? To repent is to recognize that these behavior patterns are rebellion against God and that we not only need to be sorry about them, in order to be forgiven, we need to be empowered in order to live differently. Can't change on our own. The flesh knows what it's one. The devil is good at what he does. Can't do this on our own. We need to be empowered. We, we, we need to be, be set free in order to be able to live differently. To be the light in the midst of darkness. To be salt of the earth. Life in the midst of death. This is what he calls us to be. Being forgiven of our sins and being filled with his Holy Spirit. Allows our behavior patterns to transition from the flesh. From those things that were listed. To now the Spirit. Pick this up on verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. Let me stop right there. It's not lust. This is love. It's not a phileos love. It's not a, a brotherly love. It's not an eros love, an erotic love that you would have between your, you and your spouse. It, it, it's, it's a very special kind of love. This is an agape love. It's a divine love. It's a one of self-sacrifice, of putting another person before yourself. Love is charity. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Joy. Even in the midst of misery, God can give us joy. Paul stated, I, I mean, I had all things and I lost all things. I was all things, but in all things I have learned to what? Be content to have the joy of the Lord inside of me because life lives in my heart and soul. Circumstance does not dictate my position in his kingdom. And the circumstance of the storm does not dictate my service to him. He don't owe me anything. He already paid it all. He don't owe me a thing. I owe him everything. Wherever he sends me, whatever it looks like, however painful it could be. God, if it's your purpose, your joy fills my heart. Ain't no storm too big that I'm not going to be able to endure. Because your peace, the peace that surpasses all under, it doesn't even make sense. And yet, I'm at peace. Long-suffering. Having that patience of being able to endure in the midst of the storm. 
all of a sudden when, when kindness and goodness and faithfulness wells up inside of you when 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 what used to be harsh all of a sudden now is gentle where you used to lose control all of a sudden you have self discipline and self control is the out is the direct opposite of outbursts of anger and wrath god gives us peace and understanding Against such there is no law, family. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, it's one thing to say that we're living in the Spirit. It's another thing that our lifestyle would reflect it. How's your theology working for you? <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Before the Holy Ghost, we were separated from God. A veil had to hide Him from us because of His glory. We were in a fallen state. He is holy, holy, holy. There was a veil that God brought forth that, that was for our protection. But 2 Corinthians 3.16 states, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, when you turn from your wicked ways, when you turn from your sinful, rebellious nature, when you turn from those selfish ambitions and desires, when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, no more covering, no more hiding, no, no more hypocrisy. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Woo! <laughs> and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know the Spirit of the living God living inside of you begins to change you and transform you. That you no longer look like yourself, but you begin to look like Jesus. Amen. When people can see Christ in you. What's wrong with you? What's different about you? What's changed? Why are you so happy? <laughs> it's because the Spirit of the living God is living inside of me. That which was hidden is now revealed. That which was, was, was lost is, is now found. And we can be in right relationship with Him. And the Holy Spirit can now begin to give us His giftings. You know, it's the Holy Ghost is the one who gives us the most. I like that. The Holy Ghost is the one who gives us the most. Every good gift, every spiritual virtue, all of your understanding of the spiritual realm the enlightenment the supernatural love that is birthed inside of your heart all of that comes from God the spirit the ability to live holy in the midst of rampant sin that comes from him 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3-5 
for this is the will of God. This is the will of God. God, what's your will for me? God, I just wish, I wish I knew what your will was for me, God. But, but, but if I knew what your will for me, God, then I wouldn't be so confused. I'd be so strong. God, what's your will for me? This is the will of God for you. Your sanctification. This has to come first. You must be cleansed of your sins. If we're not cleansed of our sins, we can't have right relationship with Him. So for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. I am no longer mine. I am yours. You purchased me with a price. This vessel, this vessel, this vessel belongs unto you, O God. Not in passion of lust. You don't wrestle your, you don't, you don't give off your, your vessels in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, who, who are there and, and gladly and, and boastfully and proudly fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Come on, family. When his spirit is living inside of us, we will be one spirit. We all would be of one mind and we will all be of one accord with a passion and a desire to fulfill the same things. So as the pastor of this church, I cast a vision in regards to outreach, how we're going to reach Peekskill. What are the things that we're going to be able to do? You, we come alongside of this, you, you coming and becoming a part of this and, and tithing and being obedient and offering and sowing seed. All of this is, is supporting the vision, but it's not the vision of one man. It's, it's the vision of us all fulfilling the vision of God. What he called us to do in this community. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where there are two or three that have gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. How's your theology? When we come and we gather and we begin to talk about our theology, if we're here and we're in the, uh, uh, gathered in his name, Seeking out his will and his purpose. He says his Holy Spirit is faithful to reveal it unto us. Philippians 2.12 and 13. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Listen to that. This isn't about you trying to follow the list of the do's and don'ts. This isn't about you being religious, you being and following the, the oh, I can't do this, or I, I have to do that, and I have to light up 12 candles and say four prayers and do. No, no. <laughs> God 
places inside of you the will to do good. I'm not doing good because I, 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 I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. I, I, I want to do good because he already purchased my way. Come on, there's a difference. There's a difference. You could be 100% right and 100% wrong in how you do it. It's about the motivation factor of your heart. Is your heart right before the Lord? Why are you doing what you do? Is it for accolades? Is it for brownie points? Are you trying to earn God's favor in your life? Are you giving so that you can be receiving? Or do you give because you've already been given so much? Do you serve because you've already been served? It is God who works in you. Both the will, the desire, and the ability to actually do for His good pleasure. Do you uh, bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? As we get ready to close this service, the Holy Spirit has been His present. He is present. I feel His presence. Have you asked the Father Almighty to forgive you of your sins? Have you been born again? Meaning that, have you had the slumbering spirit man inside of you awoken? Are you officially woke? You know, it's from a position of power that very, very soon Jesus is coming back again to judge the living and the dead. Prophecies have all been fulfilled. His, his second coming, his second return is very, very near. Have you received the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Does this passion burn deep within your soul? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? If that's not you yet and you want it, if you want to feel the deliverance and the freedom from the sins that you've committed, if you no longer want to carry around a guilty conscience or, or, or something that is seared, something that is tainted, and you want freedom this morning, if you want the Spirit of the living God to come and dwell inside of you, while all eyes are closed, while all heads are down, just going to ask you, raise your hand. Let me, let me see your hand. Let me pray for you. Amen. 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 I see that. I see those hands. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Praise Him. That day of judgment is closer than what you think, family. Jesus shed His sinless blood to cover our guilt so that we could receive His Holy Spirit so that He can once again live inside of us. This is how he made manifest. He was made manifest to the world. By living inside of broken vessels like you and I. Would you like him to be made manifest today? Let's stand, church. Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. 